Hello, my loves, and welcome to the Purposeful Lifestyle Development Podcast, where we discuss all things thought work and manifestation, but we use neuroscience and the study of the brain to do so. I'm your host, Tessa Spizak. I'm a board-certified practitioner, master life and health coach, and seasoned executive speaker. If you're ready to create your highest value lifestyle and turn your dream life into a reality, you're in the right place. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello, hello, my friends. Happy Monday to everyone that's listening live. And thank you so much to everyone who starts your week with me every week here with a lifestyle development session. If you're new, welcome in. And don't forget to subscribe to stay part of our conversation and share this session on your socials if it resonates with you or think it could help someone that you know. I want to start this conversation talking about something that I've been hearing a lot about lately. And while the premise can feel really good in the moment, I really think it could do more damage than good in the long run. And I've been seeing it play out that way for people here lately. I mean, I know I can definitely lose my footing and get sucked into this thought pattern too. So for this session here, I wanted this to be a reminder for all of us. And if you're someone who's into mindset coaching or learning about manifestation or the way the brain works, clearly I think that's a safe assumption for anyone listening to this podcast, but we tend to get this delusion But if there's any pain points and if anything gets hard, it means you're doing something wrong. That if we're doing something that is our purpose or our passion and we're really aligned with this thing, then at all times we're going to be overflowing with motivation and determination, right? Always feeling invigorated with that dopamine pumping from your brains at all times. And if you don't feel that, well, maybe you're not aligned or maybe you're not doing it right. And I've heard this from some of the newer coaches, I would say as well. I almost said younger, but that's not what I mean. Because statistically, I know I'm pretty young to have my own practice, but I am coming up nearing a decade of experience. So I would say newer to this conversation. And I don't think it's intentionally trying to deceive anyone, you know, trying to say, oh, if you follow my way, then you'll feel perfect and amazing and exploding with growth every day. But I feel like that's sometimes how it comes off, or at least how our brains can decide to hear that message. Because like I said, it feels good. We're really motivated to do something that would make us feel amazing and perfect all the time. Hearing that, even if just somewhat roundabout indirectly in this way, it does feel good. But in the long term, I think you can really start to actually more disalign yourself with that way of thinking. Now I want you to remember, or if you're newer here, I want you to know this. I really truly honor and believe in that intersection between neuroscience, you know, the study of the brain and our energetic world, our spiritual selves. I really do explore and examine the mind, body, spirit connection in my work. So with that, as a believer, clearly that we can create and mold and determine how our reality plays out and how we get to move through that reality and how we get to feel doing that, I'm not trying to tell or convince anyone that somehow you can also move off of the human experience or escape the big parts of the human experience, which includes our emotions, the full array of them our intuitions, and sometimes our fears as well. 
But the way we get to look at these things and determine how we get to process, use, explore, and get creative about them, that is where we have control. So here's my message today, and make sure you understand this thoroughly, even if you have to go back and listen again, which honestly, I really suggest you do. But the message is this, your thoughts and your feelings, while they're real and they're valid, that doesn't mean that they're always correct. Just because something feels one way, and that feeling again is very real and should be honored, explored, and evaluated when needed, it does not mean it's correct. And that's what we can manipulate. So I know that might not make sense yet, but hang in with me. Here's what I mean. Instead of holding on to the notion that nothing should ever feel bad or painful or stressful, and if it does, that just means you're doing something wrong, I'm here to tell you that that's a surefire way to really lock yourself into a tailspin. Because not only are you experiencing a very real emotion or feeling, but now you're also kicking yourself for feeling that feeling, like it's your fault on top of that. So here's the tiny shift that I want you to remember. You can't outgrow the human experience. Like I said, all the emotions, fears, growth points, you never finish and you really wouldn't want to anyway. It would be so unnerving if you were unable to respond to outside stimuli in a humanistic emotional response. But this isn't gloomy, I promise. This understanding is really, really empowering once you get it. So I want to coach you and challenge you on this today. That the end goal of never feeling any pain points or never having fears or, again, those very real parts of the human experience It needs a little tweaking if you actually want to get close to that. The end goal should be to know how to manage those emotions, develop resilience in the way that we need to personally develop tenacity and curiosity around them, to manage your response to whatever emotion, to manage your thoughts and get to choose how to move forward. And like I said earlier, it's a fallacy of the mind that can really start to tailspin you if you don't catch it. The fallacy that if you're doing something that's supposed to bring you joy, if it brings you anything else other than joy, it means something's wrong. So let's go through some examples. I want you to put yourself in whatever area of your life resonates with you, whether you could be an entrepreneur or someone working on a passion project, you could use your relationship here, whatever is really important to you right now. And I'm going to use relationship for an example, because we all have relationships, whether romantic or otherwise, but say you went into a relationship with a person and you had a belief that if this person was your one, your true soulmate or whatever, then it would be easy and perfect and amazing a thousand percent of the time. And then if there was any pain point or something that got hard, or maybe was just taking a bit of a learning curve to get it right, it meant that your relationship is wrong, or you are a subpar partner, or they don't love you the way that they should, something like that. Now, of course, that's really simplified and clearly not the case. From the outside looking in, we can logically say, well, no, something being uncomfortable doesn't mean that this person is wrong or you're wrong. All it means is something needs to be addressed. And potentially that thing being the belief we're so tied to. 
If our belief is that a relationship is meant to be nothing that feels bad or any kind of negative, and my partner does something that makes me feel bad, well, that means that this is bad. Now, of course, I need to mention this. I'm not talking about abusive or heavily problematic relationships here. If you are in that situation, please seek out your local resources and prioritize safety above all else. But what I'm talking about here is good, healthy relationships that, again, experience some growing pains, and sometimes those pains can be based on our beliefs. So a simple one, sticking to this relationship example, I made a TikTok about this one and it's been getting reshared for months, so I guess it's pretty easy to understand. So I'll use it here if you haven't heard it. If you're in a relationship and you believe that when you text someone, if it takes them a long time to respond to that text message or they're not very prompt in getting back to you, it means that they're not interested in you. That It makes you feel bad. They should know that. And when they don't answer you, they don't like you. When in reality, maybe for this person, it's something that's completely unrelated to you. Maybe this person's just really easily distracted at work and they know that if they pull out their phone in a time that's not, you know, a specified break, then they're going to end up checking all the emails, all the notifications, all those things. So it really has nothing tied to this person whatsoever. They just have a created habit that they don't look at their phone very much at certain times, right? Now, the original person is entitled to feeling bad when their partner doesn't respond to them. That's a real feeling and emotion, but that doesn't mean they're correct in the reason behind it. The feeling is real, but it's not correct. They just hold a belief about texting etiquette. That means if you're prompt, it means you care about me. If you're not prompt, it means you don't. But again, that's not correct, especially in this situation. This person isn't showing that they don't care. They're simply distractible. So they set up a system not to check their phone. Or think of it this way. Let's use an example that might not feel as obvious in the moment. Say you're an entrepreneur or you're working on your passion project. If you believe that it should never be hard or difficult or you should never feel any fear of showing up if you're doing the right thing, well, I can't imagine you'd get very far. You'd probably give up at your first afternoon slump. So I like to think of it like this. Instead of leaving the course because of an obstacle, simply because you've got it stuck in your head that the right course has no obstacles, just start adjusting your thinking behind it. If the course feels right and everything is good and the finish line is where you want to go, well, make a decision that you want to change the way you look at the obstacles. Notice what emotion you tie to those obstacles. Is it because of a belief that you had? Just like the trajectory of our silly text message debacle, right? The person is hurt because their partner is not a timely responder And due to that belief that when people don't respond quickly, it's a sign that they don't love or care about you, this person leans into the thought that they've chosen to hold on to, that they have subconsciously tied to the emotion of pain or neglect or loneliness. It's tied to slow response time. But then they can choose to reframe their mind and their thinking, choosing to no longer associate a slow response to a feeling of neglect or abandonment. You really can't edit your life like the director of a movie when you understand that your thoughts and emotions, while very real and you should honor them, but the belief you have tied to it, 
the belief that's potentially creating this emotion, it's not always correct. I know a lot of my nutrition patients are listening, so I'm going to throw in an example with our health. I recently did a live session on stress eating and emotional eating and what cycle causes that. And I think that is a perfect example here. So say you are someone, or maybe you are right now, trying to change your relationship with your body or with food or anything around that aspect. And you've recognized that you engage in stress eating, emotional eating, and that's something that you want to change. It's important to recognize and manage where you've attached certain emotions to certain stimuli or certain actions, and then you decide if you want to keep them. So for those trying to break away from those habits, we talked about how emotions can tie back to food as well. So here's an example. Say when you were a kid, say something bad happens. You didn't make the soccer team or your friends all went and did something and you felt really excluded. So you went and told your parents about it. And then to cheer you up, they went and got pizza or went and got ice cream. What can happen is that starts to etch into your brain that here's how we respond to negative emotions and negative feelings. We go get the pizza or the ice cream or whatever that stress food is. But then it can also happen on the other side as well as think back to some of those happier experiences and really good memories as well. Think of birthday parties or celebrations. Think of cake, right? It usually has a food that ties to it as well. So that again could start etching that neuropathway in your brain that means, hey, when I want to feel good or something does feel good, that relates to the cake, again, the pizza, the ice cream, something like that your brain starts to hold that association. So in cases of emotional or stress eating, what happens is we create somewhat of a cycle. And again, this goes for everything, but just for example's sake. So if we are someone who does struggle with emotional or stress eating, there is some type of cycle in the brain that's going to look pretty close to this. At one point, there is a feeling of some sort of powerlessness or a degree of it towards food, our relationship with food and our body. And then something happens, right? There's a trigger. There's something that we normally tie to stress eating, emotional eating, whatever you call it. And maybe we give into it and we go against our goals. You know, we use that as a distractor or as a self-soothing measure and we do overeat or stress eat or again, just move away from the goals that we've set from ourselves. Well, now we turn back to that next link in the cycle is again, now we're feeling powerlessness in some sense around food. So instead of in this example, which I think a lot of people are trying to do or coach to do is just try to avoid the bad feelings at all cost. But I want you to change your mindset because again, this is the human experience and there are going to be things that are stressful or invoke some of those emotions. So here's what I want you to do is in attempt to start to change your mindset, I want you to start examining what emotions tie to each step in that cycle. So if you feel that it's part of your story, especially if you are someone who's been yo-yo dieting for years, it does start to tie into the story and you do feel like you have some powerlessness towards food or your diet. Maybe again, that has become part of your identity. That's something that we definitely want to address and where most people start 
but we can help much more thoroughly throughout the whole cycle. So when a trigger happens, let's stop, ask the questions. Do we have to feel this way? Maybe the trigger is some sense of self-doubt or something along those lines. And maybe the trigger for you was your boss or a manager or someone like that gave you some criticism. I would suggest taking a stop there. What am I tying to that criticism? Does it really mean I should be doubting myself or getting confused in my own head when I'm criticized? Then we'll do the thought work to clear that out, maybe what that means and how we've allowed their comment to affect us, potentially change that thought that's going to start breaking a link in the train. Or in another part where say maybe a stress eating event does happen. Instead of tying yourself worth to letting that identity of quote unquote truth that says, oh, I'm powerless when it comes to food or I feel this way, you take that obstacle and learn about it. Get curious about it. Why did this happen? What did I feel? What was I trying to feel when I self-soothe by the stress eating? How can I get there by another means next time that serves me better? Doing just this practice, as I mentioned, starts to break that link in the cycle. Even just analyzing the situation gives you power. It closes out some of that feeling of powerlessness, again, lessening that cycle, breaking a chain in the cycle. Now, of course, that is heavily simplified, and clearly that conversation was much, much longer than that little excerpt, but here's what I want to leave you with today. When you're working towards the future that you want, the you that you want to be, don't let yourself get caught up in the story that our brain likes to tell us. That if it's right or if I'm on the right path, then there should be no problem or issue. And if the issue arises, that means I'm a failure or I did something wrong. Instead, put some more belief into yourself that you are doing what's right and you are on the right path if you are experiencing that flow and it feels good for you. However, know that you can never self-develop or manifest your way out of the human experience. Instead of deciding that pain points and the hard parts are definitive proof of your misalignment or that something's wrong, my challenge for you is to get curious, to notice what emotions are tied to that stimuli and decide if that's how you want to see it. Decide how you want to conduct your life. And if it doesn't suit you, What thought would be better? What are you going to replace it with instead? When you notice a pain point, it just means that somewhere your subconscious story does not match what you're seeing in your conscious life. There's a belief somewhere that you get to choose if you want to keep believing it or not. And if you think you would benefit from some guidance or want some coaching on this topic for you personally, you can head over to my website at www.purposefullifestyledevelopment.com. You can reach me personally. This is my inbox at info at purposefullifestyledevelopment.com or on my socials at Coach Tessa or Coach Tessa PLD. But all right, my loves, that's where I'll leave us today. I want to thank you so much for joining in on this conversation with me. And each week, every Monday, we're going to be posting a new episode going a little bit deeper into the conversation of what you can do to train your brain on purpose to really allow for the lifestyle that you want to live. Until next time, my loves, in the meantime, here's to your health and your happiness. 